Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. It's monsoon season in Tucson, Arizona, and Pastor Ben continues our Summer of Psalms series with a message from Psalm 29 titled, The Lord's Devastating Power. It's a psalm where David has a uniquely poetic way of pointing to the God of majestic glory with a thunderstorm. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. I hope you're having a great summer. Turn with me to Psalm 29. And in Psalm 29, I told you Lynn and I were in the White Mountains. We got to experience an amazing monsoon. Have you experienced a monsoon? Maybe you experienced one yesterday or last night. Oh, I feel like it's been two years. Since I experienced a good one, and it was so good that, you, you know, the windshield wipers were going as fast as they could, and you still couldn't see very good, and Linda was saying, slow down, and I was saying, no, <laughs> I love it. It shook the place so much that a big picture fell off over there, and two letters in the word 15 just fell right off of the thing. Kevin was in here with this scissor lift thing, you know, to straightening out the projectors and everything a couple days ago, and he got in there this morning. He said, it's all crooked and everything, and I don't know what happened because the building just went, right? We picked up branches and stuff and blew all kinds of things all over the place today. I thought the church was going to blow away. It was crazy, right? It was awesome, and, and, and the rain was awesome. You've experienced the monsoon. And even if you're from Minnesota or, or, or Michigan or California, you know, have you ever experienced somebody trying to explain a monsoon that's not from Arizona? That's like everybody. I love it. It's almost comical. It, it, it's really hard to describe. My favorite thing to describe it is, is to tell people about the stupid motorist law that we have in Tucson, right? You know that? Some of you don't even know that we have that, Right? Those people that drive through the wash when they're not supposed to and they ignore the signs and then their car goes floating down the, you know, or they get stuck and somebody has to pull them out and then they get featured on the evening news as stupid motorist. <laughs> That's the best law in Arizona. You get fined and you get called stupid motorist. It's so great. It's so appropriate. What are you thinking? Right? Oh. I love the monsoon storms in July. I watch the wall of rain just begin to come in. The lightning get closer, crashing, tree. Have you ever just been really close to the lightning and just like it scared you to death where your, you know, your hair stands up because of the actual electricity in the air? Oh, pretty soon the thunder, shaking everything, breaking everything, starting fires, Right? They shut down the White Mountain forest and, and all the everything because they're so afraid of the fires. And uh, even though it was raining, and I kept saying, Why are you doing this? It's raining like crazy. He said, It's going to have to rain a lot more. Right? Oh, monsoons are awesome. And although this Psalm 29, it's a song, it's a poetic song about a storm. It's a poetic song about a storm, retelling of a storm and a storm that immediately draws the heart of David closer to God. And as I felt the shaking inside of my chest a couple of times just in this last week or so, I'm thinking this is just a small picture of the majestic glory of God. 
That's Psalm 29. That's Psalm 29. Let's read it together. Listen to this. Pay attention. Read it for yourself as I'm reading along. Take your Bible out and read it. Here it is. Acknowledge the Lord, you heavenly beings. Acknowledge the Lord, the Lord's majesty and power. Some of your translations might say glory right there. I like the word majesty. Verse two, acknowledge the majesty of the Lord's reputation. Worship the Lord in holy attire. The Lord's shout is heard over the water. The majestic God thunders. The Lord appears over the surging water. The Lord's shout is powerful. The Lord's shout is majestic. The Lord's shout breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young ox. The Lord's shout strikes with flaming fire. The Lord's shout shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The Lord's shout bends the large trees and strips the leaves from the forest. Everyone in his temple says, majestic. The Lord sits enthroned over the engulfing waters. The Lord sits enthroned as the eternal king. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord grants his people security. Now there's some pretty awesome stuff here. And although it's a poetic retelling of a storm. There's more here. It's a tool. This is a tool in the hands of the poet. It's a logical syllogism. A a logical syllogism has an aim. It has an aim at identifying the truth in a particular situation. And it's a tool in the hands of the writer or the poet to persuade the audience or the readers with their belief in a general truth and to tempt them to believe in a specific conclusion drawn from the truth. And that's what you're trying to do when you describe to somebody a monsoon. You're just trying to help understand some things and some truth about water and washes and, and, and rushing, you know, stuff and sheets of waves of, you know, craziness. There's three points in this psalm that are, I think are really tight and instructive and functionally practical. Three things that David points out. And I think it points to how much you and I need Psalm 29. I'm convinced we need this psalm in our lives because Psalm 29 speaks into a deep struggle that's going on in all of our hearts. All of our hearts. Every person in this room struggles with the same thing here. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. I'm going to put it up here reluctantly. Look in your Bible. Make some, uh, uh, underline some things. Acknowledge the Lord, he says, you heavenly beings. Acknowledge the Lord's majesty and power. Acknowledge the majesty of the Lord's reputation. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Now, just notice that it says there, acknowledge the Lord, you heavenly beings. There's something going on here. And I want to talk about the translation here just for a minute because it's written in Hebrew. Hebrew poetry is actually really difficult. It's unbelievable. It's sort of mathematical like all poetry, all right? But the original Hebrew poetry here actually says, sons of God, not heavenly beings, There's still some translation debate, though, here, whether that's the right translation. Heavenly beings are just sons of God. Is this psalm addressing heavenly beings or addressing people? And I sort of 
want to throw out a third way. Who cares? I think it's both. It's everybody. There's something that you and I share with those heavenly beings, and here it is. You and I are designed by God. We are hardwired, so to speak. I'm going to call it designed, created for glory. We are developed, and, and it is built into us. We, we are, are designed for glory. Now, what do you mean? You and I don't live by instinct. We are attracted to glory. That's why we love just big, powerful songs that make chills go up and down our spine. I don't care if they're orchestral or they're a rock ballad. We love it. It's, 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 it's fantastic stuff, right? That's why we like the big home runs in games, in critical games. And we stand and scream at the top of our lungs. It's so glorious to see those things. Or a, a magnificent slam dunk, right? Or you know what the most exciting play in baseball is? The, exciting, the most exciting play in baseball? The in-the-park home run. It's by far factual. It's, it's the most exciting thing to see somebody actually not hit the ball out of the park but still make a home run. Have you ever listened to the crowd when that happens? We love that. We love the glory of that. We love the glory of an awesome meal and, and, and it being prepared from just scratch. All those things we really, really love. We're hardwired for glory. We don't live just by instinct. And so that's why it says, acknowledge the Lord, you heavenly beings, O sons of God. Acknowledge the Lord's majesty and power. Acknowledge the majesty of the Lord's reputation. Why? Here's my first question. Why do we have to be commanded to do this? What is it? Why do we... If, if we're designed, if we're hardwired for glory, if we're attracted to glory so much, and, and we are, why do we have to be encouraged? Why do we have to be persuaded? Why, are, why do we have to be conjoled? Why do we have to be commanded to recognize, to worship, to live in light of the majesty and glory of God? Well, let me, let me, let me help you. It's because of sin. Sin. Sin has something dangerous, has done something dangerous to your and my heart, maybe mine more than anybody. There is in your heart a glory war going on. There's a battle going on in all of our heart. It's a war of glory, and whatever glory rules your heart and sets the agenda, whatever glory rules your heart sets the agenda for the way that you live your life. It just does. I hate that part. But sin does two things to us or for us, you could say. The first thing is it produces in us a perverse ability to be blind to the majestic glory of God. It just does. And this is why I really, really love the monsoon. It's my favorite time of the year. That's why it's so disappointing that we didn't even hardly have one last year, right? Now, Think about it. Isaiah chapter 6 says, the whole world is filled with his glory. Did you see that glory this week? Did you see it? If you have not been watching the sunsets over this last year, you're missing it. As you look around at the created world, were you filled with a deep sense of the majestic glory of God? Were you blown away by the majestic or the majesty of your creator, the glory of your creator? Were you really? 
Or was it all for you? Is it all about you? So easy to make it all about us. Man, busy schedules, lots of duties, dirty laundry, meals that got to get prepared, endless mundane conversations, people to manage, jobs to do all the time, right? And you live blind to the majestic glory that's everywhere around you. What a sad thing. What a sad thing. In the the White Mountains, Lynn and I were in a couple of places where people were running to get inside. And I was was thinking, what are you doing? This is the best part of living in Arizona. Where are you going? What's the matter? There's another thing, though. Sin causes you to replace the majesty or glory of God with other glories so that that glory rules your heart, the glory that commands your life, right? The glory that becomes the basis of the decisions that you make and I make. And the actions that we take and the words that we speak, it's not the majestic glory of God. Now, I think this is a place where I just, I want you to turn to John chapter six, all right? Because it's helpful to recognize that the scripture interprets the scripture sometimes, And so I want you to go to John chapter six. It's a famous place in the Bible where Jesus um, performs a miracle. It's unbelievable miracle. John chapter six. It's the miracle of feeding the 5,000. All right, so I want you to find a few verses here. I'll point them out. After Jesus performs that unbelievable miracle of feeding 5,000 people, it says in verse 15, look at verse 15, John six. Then Jesus, because he knew that they were going to come and seize him by force to make him king, withdrew again up the mountainside alone. So he took off. He took off by himself. Why? These people recognize who he is and they want to make him king. Why would Jesus run away and hide and try to escape? Well, the answer is in verse 25. Slip down to verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? It sounds kind of weird. They know who he is. And listen to what he says in verse 26 and 27. I tell you the solemn truth. Now listen up, people. That's kind of like saying, listen up. Pay attention. Look me in the eye. Focus a minute. I tell you the solemn truth. You're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the loaves of bread you wanted. Do not work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life. The food which the Son of Man will give to you. For God the Father has put his seal of approval on him. So here's what Jesus is essentially saying. There's two types of glory that exist in the world. Only two types of glory. There's the sign glory and the unrivaled supreme glory. The majestic glory of God. And Christ says to them, the reason I withdrew, like I had to get away from you, is you didn't actually see the sign. You only want me to be your king because you had your stomachs filled. That's the only reason why you want me to be king. I am your idea of an endless all-you-can-eat buffet. I mean, that's crazy. He says, this miracle that I just did, it's pointing to my glory, the glory for which you're supposed to live. And then Christ goes on to say in verse 53, go down to verse 53. This is a crazy verse. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life 
in yourselves. <laughs> what? Now listen, what he's saying is this. Every physical miraculous glory is ordained by God to point us to the true majestic glory that can only be found in a relationship with God. See, these tables around here, they're pointing to the majestic glory of God. And it's the only glory that's ever going to satisfy your heart. That physical glorious miracle. Those majestic glories of creation aren't going to satisfy you. They leave you empty. They're addicting. They make you go back again and again, hoping to be satisfied. And I'll never be satisfied because that glory can't satisfy me because it's not the thing that I'm supposed to live for. It's supposed to point to the thing that I'm supposed to live for. You see, if you're traveling to a location and you see the sign that points to the location, you don't stop at the sign, right? Because you understand that the sign isn't your destination, The sign points to the destination. So your spiritual destination is not physical creation. It's the creator. Wow. Wow. So what glory right now is commanding your heart? Be honest. The glory of financial success, the glory of material possessions, the glory of affection and respect from a certain person, the glory of physical beauty and physical health, the glory of human power and control. You see, every one of those glories is ordained by God to point to his majesty and his glory, to point to his power, to point to his dominion. Only God is able to satisfy that longing of your heart. If you're a beautiful person, you are not responsible for that, by the way. Don't be too proud. See, there's people... In this room, your life is a life of anxiety. You're driven and you're empty and you're confused and you're addicted because you're trying to feed your soul on something that will not satisfy. Me too, by the way. We, we, we must be commanded to run to the glory of God because sin has put such a glory confusion in our heart. There is a way in which it's proper to say life, this side of eternal life, though, is one great big glory war. I mean, there's absolutely a glory war going on. And the glory that you seek to fill your heart, it's going to set the agenda for your life. And there's only two types of glory, right? Ultimate glory or this unrivaled, supreme, majestic glory the glory of God or the sign glory, everything else has, has been made, that's been made is meant to exist, right? To point to the glory of God. Go back to Psalm 29, let's go. So we're designed, I already said, and hardwired, so to speak, for majestic glory. And so um, you are commanded, we are commanded to seek to live in light of the glory, the glory that's Truly glorious. Now, I keep saying glory, right? And and if you look through Psalm 29, you're like, where's the glory? The the word majesty or majestic, it's the same thing as saying glory. Okay? Glory and majestic and majesty. So I actually like the 
Bible translation because it uses that word majestic or majesty. And sometimes that word glory is misunderstood. So I've been saying majestic glory, (laughs) okay? Now we're designed for all of this. And I told you there's three points. So here comes the first one. Look at verses three through eight. God is glorious in power. Verses three through eight. The Lord, the Lord's shout is heard over the water. The majestic God thunders. See, you can say glorious right there. The glorious God thunders, right? The Lord appears over the surging water. The Lord's shout is powerful. That word shout, you could say voice, the voice of God. But I like the shout. Right there. It's, it's actually more accurate. The Lord's shout is majestic. The Lord's shout breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and is Syrian like a, um, a young ox. The Lord's shout strikes with flaming fire. The Lord's shout shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. What an unbelievable description, powerful description in these verses of the thunder and the lightning and the shaking of the earth. Now think of this. This is all attributed to the voice of God, his shouting, his voice. The shout of the Lord is powerful. The shout of the Lord spoke the world into being. The shout of the Lord speaks life into dead people. speaks spiritual life into us. The shout of the Lord reveals the deepest mysteries of the universe in his word. The shout of the Lord is powerful and glorious, and that phrase is in there. I'm going to put this picture up. That phrase is in there seven times throughout this psalm. Look at the psalm at one big picture, and I, I, I think I highlighted it in blue. And that word Lord, that word Lord that actually in the Hebrew language would not be spelled out completely by Hebrew people is there at least 17 times. You could make a case for 18 times. Now, this is how David uses this logical, poetic, these poetic terms. Think about the logic here. If God is able to command the storm, if the storm is there because of his power, then he has immeasurably greater power than the power of that storm. Were you ever, have you ever been afraid in a storm? I saw people running for, to go inside like crazy. Uh, just, just in this last week, just scrambling, trying to get away from the storm. Have you ever been woken up at night with the crashes of thunder and feel a little twinge inside, like what is happening? Where everything is just rattling. That awesome display is not comparable to the power of God who commands that display. God is awesome in his power. Here's the second thing that David wants us to see in that God is glorious in his rule. Verse 9 and 10, the Lord's shout bends the large trees and strips the leaves from the forest. Everyone who Everyone in his temple says, majestic. The Lord sits enthroned over the engulfing waters. The Lord sits enthroned as the eternal king. What an amazing description that David comes up with here. God is in intimate rulership over the world that he has made. This world hasn't been set in motion like a watch, you know, that just runs itself. No, 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 no. 
You got it wrong. David says, this God sits as majestic king on a throne over his world and the world operates according to his command. That's glory. You think that this pandemic thing is like, you know, started in Wuhan or wherever or escaped from some design. And like God was like, oops, I didn't see that. I mean, what happened here? Are you kidding? No, 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 not the sovereign creator of the universe. No, 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 think about it. Think about, think about this, how minuscule the world is that you and I command. What are you in control of? I am in control of nothing. You know, you can start making a list of things that you think you're in control of. You know what will happen if you focus on that list for very long? You'll start going, uh, if you're really honest with yourself, I'm not in control of any of that. I'm, just, I'm not in control of anything. I think I am. God is sovereign and I am positively not. And so rest for me is never in my power, actually. It's never in my rule because I have such limited power, such limited rule. See, it's God's glory that I rest in, the glory of his power, the glory of his rule. But there's a third thing that David comes up with, the glory of his grace. He doesn't come up with it, but he points it out. It's truth that he writes with here. God is glorious in his grace. It's there in just a brief way. But I think it's one of the most important things in, 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 in this psalm. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness right there. Look at verse 10, the second half of the verse. Everyone in his temple says, majestic. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord or the shout of the Lord makes calves and everything else give birth <laughs> and and the the shout of the lord strips the forest of its leaves and leaves it bare listen everybody in his temple says majestic now now and in that in his temple everyone says majestic like david summarizes in one of the most amazing and glorious glorious exercises of the power and rule of god this god of awesome power this god of amazing Grace, he's an amazing, graceful God, has exercised his power in such a way that he's made it possible, think about this, for himself to dwell in the middle of his people. How does he do that? Think through the Old Testament lens. What amazing grace right here. That's this majestic God would choose to make himself in any way visible to us, that he would choose to make, uh, uh, to dwell, to live in the temple that's in the center of his people, the children of Israel. It's, it's something so unbelievable. It's hard to put your, wrap your brain around it. Why would God ever choose to come in his majestic glory and to live in the temple? The picture here is of the visible majestic glory of God that dwelled in the temple in the visible cloud of Shekinah glory. It's unbelievable God would do that, live, live that way. But you can't read this psalm as a New Testament believer and not reflect on the fact that the majestic glory has made you and I, if you're a Christ follower, 
the temple in which he lives. Jesus said, the glory that you give me, God, that you gave me, I've given to them that they may be one just as we are one. Right out of John chapter 17 where Jesus prays for you and I. He says, you don't have to find a place to find the majestic glory of God. Are you ready for this? Because the majestic glory and grace has found you. That's amazing. That's awesome. Majestic glory has found you and I. You've been blessed with glory, majestic glory. The majestic glorious God of the universe has chosen to live and to dwell right here. And that's crazy. Now, now, think with me how sad it is to be the place where the majestic glory actually lives and yet we, we attempt to feed ourselves on other glories. You don't have to search for majestic glory because if you're God's child, glory has found you. You're designed, you're hardwired for glory. It's the way God wants it. He wants relationship with you and me. It's only in God that you can find this glory that, that we all seek because only God is truly majestic and glorious. So I know this sounds a little, you know, elemental after a while, but think about this. He's glorious in power. He's glorious in rule. He's glorious in his grace. Now look with me at verse 11. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord grants his people security. It's a great way to sum things up because we're hardwired for all of this. And because God alone is truly glorious, it's, his, uh, it's only his glory that will ever give security to your heart. It's only his glory that will ever give you peace. And satisfaction. And so when David talks about this strength here in this verse, he's not talking about physical might. He's talking about inner courage, inner resolve that is only possible when you understand that you've come to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When you swear allegiance to the King of Kings, the God of awesome power, the God of awesome rule, the God of awesome grace, your Lord makes you the place where he lives. Wow. Wow. You don't have to approach life trying to figure it out. Hoping that you have enough independent wisdom. Hoping uh, you have enough strength. You become secure in the God who has made you the place where he lives. And you can live with courage. Real courage. Real courage. What does this have to do with me? Do you... Live with courage. Do you live with hope? Do you live with strength of resolve? Or are you anxious, fearful, timid, afraid, unsure, insecure? I get to observe this pretty often, actually, when people are in the hospital and they're dying. There's two kinds of people people who are courageous. And they got hope and truth and they live with strength and resolve. And then there's anxious, fearful, timid, afraid, insecure, angry people that are afraid to die. What does this have to do with me? Whose power gives you security? Whose rule gives you hope? See, that strength is only ever found when the majestic glory of God is the glory that rules your heart. So it's a great way to know who's ruler in your life. 
Because the Lord grants his people what? Security. You got it. Security. What is that security? It's this calmness of heart, this rest of heart. I think this is one of the best ways to say it. I focused on this quite a bit, so I just want you to listen. Security is that inner sense of safety that cannot be rocked by situations. It can't be rocked by a location and circumstances. If situations can rob you of security, if other people can rob you of your security, then your security is probably not resting in the God of glory. Right? What does this have to do with me? Do you have that inner security? Do you have that security of heart? Do you walk around with a deep sense of safety because you understand glory's been given to you? That rule, that power, that grace is exercised on your behalf by the king of majestic glory. Did you bask in that glory this week? Did, did it give you courage? Come on, be honest. Did it give you hope? Were you able to say, I don't have a clue about what's happening in my life, but it's okay because the God who is my hope knows everything. He rules everything. He has power over everything. And that God is a God of awesome grace. Awesome grace. Let me ask you one last question. What are the glories seduce you? I can only know what really, what glories seduce me. What other glory becomes a replacement glory for you? What other glory do you tend to try to satisfy your heart with? Because there is in your heart and my heart a glory war. <laughs> and that war is going to continue to raise, rage until the Lord calls us home to be with him. I want to encourage you this week, the next time you're able to observe a monsoon, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. Don't run inside. Don't go inside. Stay out on the patio at least. In particular, move out into the patio. Watch the lightning flash. Feel your chest pound with the thunder. Hear the sound of the driving rain. Look up to heaven and say, thank you, God. I need the reminder. I need the reminder. I can be so blind to your glory. Step out in the rain and get drenched a little bit and say, may I never again give my heart to any other glory but yours. I feel like God does it just for us who live in Tucson. (laughs) Bow your heads with me and pray. Lord, we get glory so messed up and confused. We do seek to fill our hearts with others' glories. (laughs) And we thank you for this unbelievable psalm and its physical picture that reminds us that the physical world is just pointing to the glory that can only be found in you. The glory that can only satisfy the cravings in our hearts. We are here, God, to worship you for your power, to worship you for your rule, 
We worship you for your grace. Your glory is our hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a fantastic day, you guys. I hope it rains today. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.